count on one thing the same God that never fails will not fail me now you won't fail me now in the waiting the same God who's never late is working all things out you're working all things out yes I will lift you Right, good morning, church, and happy Pentecost. How are you today? All right, let's stand up, and I'm going to open with a prayer today. Lord God, we, we're coming to you today on this Pentecost Sunday. It has been called by uh, historically by the church the, uh, the day that the, uh, you gave birth to your church. But, Lord, it's the day that you uh, 
you sent your, your Holy Spirit. And so, God, we, we thank you for that because you uh, swore and promised to us that you would not leave us orphaned. You would not leave us alone. Um, and so today as we celebrate the Holy Spirit and we celebrate your church together, God, we pray that that spirit will fill this place and that we can just um, bask in your presence, just be in your presence and just enjoy that. Um, with a beautiful day outside, may there be a beautiful day inside here right now as we worship and glorify your name. In your name we pray. Everybody says, amen. Sometimes on this journey, I get lost in my mistakes. What looks to me like weakness is a canvas for your strength. And my story isn't over, my story's just begun. Failure won't define me, cause that's what my father does. Failure won't define me, cause that's what my father does. burdens down Ooh, here in the Father's house check your shame at the door cause it ain't welcome anymore Ooh, you're in the Father's Travel's not the end game, the journey is where you are. You never wanted perfect, you just wanted my heart. And the story isn't over, if the story isn't good. Failure's never final when the Father's in the room. Failure's never final when the Father's in the room.
to be in the Father's house. Amen.
been calmed down Man, we hope the Spirit will break out right now. Break out and say hello to someone next to you as our kids break out to Haven Kids. Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father Almighty. From whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. everybody. I got Jack's mic in case you're wondering uh, in the back. So it's good to see everybody on this beautiful day. Um, welcome to Haven Community Church. Um, Jack already kind of welcomed people, but we always say you're not here by accident. So we hope that God can bless you during this time. Um, right now is our time of prayer. So we're going to go to God with, with the, some requests that we have here. Um, some requests from Joanna and Ron, maybe summarizing some things. Um, we want to give praises and thanks for prayers. Uh, Gail Jurgens reported that her son, that the doctors got the tumor, and he starts chemo next week. Actually, they said the doctor said the word amazing a bunch of times. So your prayers work, and uh, thanks for those, and continue to keep put them in prayer. Um, also prayers for Marcia Young, who is dealing with, I can't pronounce the thing, help me. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, so she's dealing with that, which is very serious, and she's um, making progress, but keeps, ke keep her in your prayers. Also prayers for Roger Kipp and the challenges he's facing, and for Liz Ashby for healing. She's dealing with some health issues as well. Um, a joy and a praise, and also prayers. Um, our family got to experience a graduate this week, and I think uh, lots of other families, as I've seen on social media, have as well. So um, praise for all the graduates, but also prayers for their safe parties and blessing of their future as they go forward. We also pray for Ruth Altizer's family, um, and God knows what's going on there um, in terms of their requests. I also have a few other ones. Um, Chris King has asked for prayers for Aaron and Shane Maloney on the death of their mother, Lorraine, um, who is one of uh, her best friends, Chris's best friends. So um, prayers for that family and for all the friends of, of uh, Lorraine. And also from Carol Henson, uh, for the Henson family, um, it's a burial, burial today for the family. Um, for, for Greg? For 
oh, your brother-in-law died. Sorry to hear that. So prayers for that. Um, also, a praise for Reese. Her granddaughter gave her life to Jesus at a, at a youth life retreat. That's an amazing praise. So, yeah, yeah, definitely do some applause. All right, so let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this beautiful day. Um, we've talked in the last week about contemplative prayer, and boy, Lord, looking around at the world today, it's very easy to be um, basking in your glory and in your grace and the things that you have given to us, not, not by anything we deserve. So we thank you, Lord, for your presence. We thank you that today is Pentecost, and you gave us the greatest gift of all. You gave us not only your son, but also your Holy Spirit. And so we just pray that you and, and everything would be in this service. We pray for all the requests that have come um, that we've mentioned and those that have not been mentioned. Lord, we pray for, for healing for folks that are struggling with, with illness and, and pain. Or we, we pray for mental illness and things that we have there. We, we thank you for uh, praises around graduates and for all that's going on in their families and the, the new chapters that are coming about in their lives. Uh, Lord, as we go forward in this service, may you be in it, and may we just um, surrender ourselves to you as the word comes. We pray for Jack and for the words that you have for him to share, and Lord, we just give you blessing and honor and glory, and uh, we just know that this service is all yours, Lord, and we th give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, now let's look at what's going on in Haven. Um, the uh, the study um, just because the intro video you did not um, fall asleep or go back in time and go back to the Creed series if you remember there was one week there that we said about the Holy Spirit I believe in the Holy Spirit I said I'm going to save it for today the day of Pentecost so we're, we're still going on with our 
prayer groups, we'd love for you to get connected. If you want, um, want a, a digital bulletin, go ahead, pull out your smartphones and, and hit the camera, and you can do that right now. If not, that's on you, no big deal. Um, but um, uh, so we, we, we're going to get into the Holy, talk about the Holy Spirit today. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And then we're completely done the Creed um, series uh, with a little hiatus. But we are still doing uh, the prayer course as a study with small groups. You can connect to those groups if you, if you want to. Um, you can connect to them live. You can connect to them with Zoom. And you can also, if life is just really crazy and you want to um, see them, you want to be part of it, um, we also, um, through Right Now Media, you can participate um, in those free as yourself. And if you don't know what Right Media is, you can go ahead and send something to Info at Haven CC or to our small group, and we'll get you connected with that and get share that so that way you can have it. I don't care whether it's your first week here. It's part of the gift that we give to the church that you can have, I mean, tons of study materials and growth things f for you. So it's pretty, pretty awesome. Again, Parish Foundation, you saw that. Um, and that's the 19th, and um, they will be uh, needing, um, needing uh, 90 bags, I think it said. And um, so if you'll be willing to give and provide for that, that would be awesome. And then the following week, the 26th, we are going to um, have a baptismal service. And if you know somebody who wanted to get, if you're somebody who wants to get baptized, I mean, the full Duncan, um, we checked the other day. There's a, a nice uh, deep water hole there that we can uh, put you in. Um, and um, you, you can participate in that. Uh, come prepare. We'll also have some things for you. You'll get some t-shirts or whatever else um, that we can have as part of that. In addition, um, so we're going to have that right after the church service on the 26th. Uh, and you might be sitting here that day and say, that would be awesome. And you want to participate, that's fine as well. You may bring somebody and they want to. Um, so we're going to go ahead and um, have a baptismal service. And then after that, um, there's, I know there's been a bouncy house that, uh, and other stuff like that. Um, and there's going to be food. So, I mean, you get, you get a Dunkin', you get a, um, a food, and you get a bouncing. There you go. So you, you can work it off um, uh, with all that stuff. So we're going we're gonna to have kind of an event and just a time to get together as family and celebrate um, the sacrament of baptism and everything together um, before it gets too hot and, and the water gets too cold and all that kind of good stuff. All right? Everybody good there with those kind of things? A lot of stuff um, going on there. It is uh, summertime, and um, it, is, it is a beautiful day today. So we are going to pick up today in this um, series where we kind of we didn't stop there. We finished the series, but we dropped off. If you weren't part of the series, feel free to go to havencc.org, and you can connect to this one and see everything. We went line by line through that for several, several weeks, talking about what we believe in, because I think it's important more than ever that we as Christians understand what we believe in. Um, because there's a lot of us, as a lot of Christians that just don't know what they believe. And so we took the uh, Apostles' Creed and went through that one. Um, in uh, 1977... Um, if you remember that, you're older, you're as old as me or older, all right? Um, but in 1977, a man named, two men named Charles Strauss and Martin Charnin wrote the lyrics to a very well-known tune, Forgive Me in Advance, all right? You're going to forgive me before I get to this? All right. And it went like this. The sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be sun. Just thinking about tomorrow clears away the cobwebs and the till there's none. When I'm stuck with a day that's gray and I'll just stick up my chin and and the sun will come out. So you gotta hang on till come what here we go. 
tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Okay, so you forgive me? Because um, Strauss is this accomplished composer, and he's writing this song for the Broadway show Annie, all right? Um, and many have seen a couple of the movie versions, correct? You may have seen that. Um, uh, so Strauss is a very famous um, writer of songs, particularly in musicals. He wrote for the musical uh, Bye Bye Birdie, Charlotte's Web, Annie, which one that I got to find somewhere. It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Um, and, um, and he's also credited with like the Superman overture. You know, dun 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 Okay, anyway, you got it. Um, uh, Star Wars the musical. Scott, did you know that? I mean, Star Wars the musical. Oh, he's out there. Yeah, he's, uh, he's out there doing stuff. Star Wars the musical. I mean, I think that's pretty cool. I mean, I don't know where the dance of the lightsabers. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Alice in Wonderland, or it was also called What's a Nice Kid Like You Doing in a Place Like This. All Dogs Go to Heaven. You guys saw that? I know you saw that movie at least. Um, Bojangles as well. And one of his songs in from Bye Bye Birdie um, was changed and it is the, um, it was based off of his song, We Love You Conrad. And a, uh, a group um, went ahead and they took that song and wrote it about the Beatles and it was called we love you, Beatles. Oh, yes, we do. Okay, so some of you may know that one, too. If you want to hear it, Google it. You can listen to it, and you can drive yourself nuts. All right? Um, and so here is this talented, pretty cool guy um, who's well-known for writing, Tomorrow, Tomorrow, I'll Love You Tomorrow. Um, and it, it transitions right into the song, You're Never Fully Dressed Without a Smile. Okay, anybody, anybody liking all these songs that you're getting in your head? Okay, good. Um, and... Um, there's this type of optimism built into this kind of thing in this character of Annie. And Strauss talked about writing the lyrics for Tomorrow and about how there was a desire to help Annie be a character that her optimism transcends her circumstances. Because when you look at Annie, um, and, you, and you can, uh, if you haven't seen it, you'll go home and watch it. Um, but um, Annie is a type of <coughs> hopeless romantic that despite the fact that her parents abandoned her and hadn't returned, that she's stuck in this terrible orphanage where she's um, uh, with a horrible woman who's making bathtub booze, in, depending on the movie version, Carol Burnett or Cameron Diaz. Um, uh, she's stuck in this awful, awful situation that there seems to be no hope of getting out. They wanted to infuse an optimism into her character in spite of her circumstances. So the big question is this, why in the world am I talking about Annie and tomorrow in a sermon on the Holy Spirit, okay? Um, well, because later today or tomorrow, you will find yourself singing tomorrow. It's called an earworm. And what happens is you get a song stuck in your head. I used to get like commercials and um, like those little Saturday morning like conjunction, junction stuff stuck in my head. Um, and you can't get it out. And so later today, you'll be seeing the news, Top Gun Maverick movie, watching TV, hanging out at the pool or at a restaurant and dinner, and you'll be sitting there and you'll go, tomorrow, tomorrow. But then you'll be like, 
Jack, I hate you. Um, and you'll go through that. So I'm sorry I said sorry at the beginning. But the key to beating an, uh, an earworm, you know what it is? To put an equally annoying song into your head and just write it out. That's all you can do. Um, and that's all you can do. So the reason for tomorrow as an illustration is when it comes to the Holy Spirit, people tend to wrongly think of who he is and what he does. We had shared in this series about, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son. And many people are cool with that. When we get to the Holy Spirit, we're not quite sure. And so we make the Holy Spirit out to be like some kind of weird relative or uncle that kind of shows up at family gatherings and makes things really awkward. Um, by like, uh, and we, uh, you know, gives us like some weird gifts and, and we're like, oh, thanks, you know. Um, but uh, it's, uh, and the Holy Spirit is often associated, he's often associated with emotionalism and impulsiveness. And we remove the Holy Spirit at times from the beauty of the biblical narrative and the interconnection of the triune God. We say that we believe in the triune God, but often when we look at our churches, we see that we side with one over the other, or we have a connection, or we stay away from this weird uncle known as the Holy Spirit. So we, what we tend to do is we kind of reduce the Holy Spirit to this odd relative that makes things awkward and brings us these gifts that nobody understands, but we should all want. It's like when you get shirts and underwear for Christmas, you go, oh, great, when you're a kid and you really want toys. Um, they have gifts like tongues, and we should want it, even though we don't understand it, and everybody's got an opinion on it. Words of knowledge or prophecy and healing and all kinds of stuff that just kind of seems thrown in there. Now, I'm not saying, I'm definitely not saying the Holy Spirit does not do that because he definitely does. What I'm saying is to reduce him, the Holy Spirit, to this kind of like odd part of the triune God is to rob the Godhead, but also to rob us of the heart and power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so a reason for starting with Orphan Annie is that the Holy Spirit's role is best understood in a couple ways. That the Holy Spirit rescues us from a type of spiritual orphan that we are and brings us into a home and a family that's not Daddy Warbucks, but it's God, God, the family of God, where there's deep and abiding optimism that transcends our circumstances on earth. Last week we talked about investing in heaven for a return that lasts forever, investing in heaven on earth so that return continues to go. And so what we see here is our situation on earth is not so great. But guess what? Heaven's coming and there's always tomorrow. And it's only a day away. Right? And so we're looking at that. And the other thing, it transcends our circumstances, and the Holy Spirit empowers us supernaturally to overcome and empowers us to live a life that God has called us to. That's what the Holy Spirit of God does. And so let's, what I want to do today is I want to kind of look at some of the larger picture of the Holy Spirit. But before that, um, the last time, I promise this time, last time we're going to stand up and we're going to read the Apostles' Creed, if you're able. Right? You missed this, didn't you? Um, so we're going to go ahead and do it. Here we go. You ready? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father Almighty. 
from whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You can have a seat. Um, I Actually, that's the only time in the whole series I ever said it all right. Yeah, that was there. I always want to say the quick and the dead. Um, uh, and again, they're quicker because they're alive. Um, that's exactly what it means. So we are talking about today... I believe in the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot of scripture that teaches about who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. But I want to I stay today, if you have your Bibles, if you have a Bible app, if you, uh, uh, you, you know, just want to hang on with uh, the, the worship guide bulletin, um, I'm going to go to a scripture in, I could go to plenty, but I'm going to mainly to John 14, verses 18 through 29 where Jesus is teaching about the Holy Spirit. And I think that's really cool because here you have the triune God, God the Father, and the other part, Jesus the Son, and Jesus the Son is talking about the Holy Spirit. So here is a case where you have one member of the Trinity talking about another member of the Trinity, which I think is really, really, really cool. And, um, and so rather than getting another perspective, we're going to hear from a member of the Trinity. And here's what he says. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. So let's stop there real quick. What's going on here? Jesus is getting close to the, to the cross, his suffering and death and ultimate resurrection. And he says to the disciples, listen, hey, I'm going to die. And I'm going to be raised from the dead and I'm going to ascend to heaven. And I'm not going to be here in physical form, but I'll still be here. Huh? It's pretty confusing. Now, we have, we have 2,000 years of Christianity say, oh, that's not very confusing. Imagine you're sitting there, and Jesus says, hey, guess what? I'm going to die, and I'm going to raise again. I'm going to ascend to heaven, and I'm not going to be here, but I'm going to be here. What? It's like jumbo shrimp, okay? Um, you know, it's pretty confusing that you're not going to see me, but you're going to see me, but no one else is going to see me. I'll be here, but I won't be here. Huh? Like, Jesus, what's in that cup? You know what I mean? That's what they're saying. It's, it's confusing. It's confusing. But listen to what he says. He says, on that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. I, I'm, if I'm sitting there, I'm really confused with them. And whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will um, be loved by the Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, and I love this parenthetical information, not Judas Iscariot. It's like, I, I love the humanity here. It's like Judas is here and said, if you're going to put my name in there, make sure you put not Iscariot, not the bad dude. Make sure you got the good Judas. Okay, you with me? Um, and he says that. And um, so he says, so this Judas says, but Lord, why, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not the world? He's confused. It's like, Jesus, you're saying you're going to show us, but nobody else is going to see you. Uh, how's this going to work? And Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our, here we go, home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. And then he says, and all this I have spoken while I am still with you. So right now they're thinking, what in the world is Jesus talking about? He's here. He's not here. We're going to see him. We're not, nobody else is going to see him. Huh? He's in the Father, and, and the Father's in him, but he's in me. I'm really confused. 
And then he goes and he says, and he says, but this is, I told you while I'm here. Then he says this, and he says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will do a couple things, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. And then he says something that you probably heard at many funerals. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. He said, you heard me say that I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you love me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens that when it does happen, you'll believe. They are more confused than ever. And we've heard this for 2,000 years and you may be confused as well. But what we have here is we have Jesus is preparing them for him leaving. And one of the things that I think is interesting after doing the research about heaven and earth, when any time the disciples had a problem on earth, Jesus gave them a heavenly answer and he did it again here. Did you notice that? He said, I'm going to the Father and he's going to be in me and I and you and all that kind of stuff. Um, Charles Dickens. Anybody heard of Charles Dickens? Uh, probably the most famous is Christmas Carol, correct? Um, but did another one, probably the next uh, most famous one, is something called Oliver Twist. Anybody know about Oliver Twist? All right. So Oliver Twist, you may have seen, you know, uh, looked at it in uh, high school literature or college literature, or um, maybe you were part of a play or, or you watched the movie. Um, but maybe you're, or maybe you're just, you've heard Oliver Twist and you don't really have a clue what it's about. But Oliver is orphaned almost from the moment he's born. His mother dies in childbirth. Um, it was an illegitimate pregnancy. And in that day, since the father was nowhere to be found, Oliver is immediately placed into an orphanage. Now this orphanage is, again, um, cruel and awful. And it's um, one of the best known scenes in this is where uh, they, they, they didn't get fed very well and they couldn't wait to get food and they were so excited to eat and they ate and ate and so they would draw straws and they're drawing straws and Oliver gets the short straw and he has to go to the head uh, and ask for more food and they're shocked that he asked for more food and disgusted and because they were big time malnourished but and there's this, uh, this intense scene where all these people are shocked and they have all this food and plenty and they're asking for some more gruel. That's what it's called. Gruel on a menu. I don't know if you put like chocolate on it. It sounds disgusting. Chocolate gruel. But anyway, this is what they have. And so when he asks for more gruel, he comes up and, the ta uh, the, um, and, and asking for that, the taskmaster of the orphanage beats him and puts him in really hard child labor, which they called um, an apprenticeship. And Dickens wrote this as a social commentary during the day against the practice of using children for hard labor. It actually helped shift uh, child labor at the time when they were using people um, for that. So Oliver is in this apprenticeship. It's very cruel. He's abused. He worked long and hard. He's not well fed. He's beaten by one of the other boys who's a little bit, who's bigger than him. The taskmaster's wife beats him also. The taskmaster beats him. It is a horrific, horrific situation. And there's this, this moment where Oliver is in bed and he's weeping and he decides that he's going to fix his life and he's going to escape. And he escapes and he's going to go to London. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? Anybody? Is that part of this? Um, I've given you Annie and Oliver Twist to see today, okay? Um, he can, and why is there? He connects with a crew of boys who are just a blast to hang out with. They're super fun. They're funny. Um, and they and he starts asking, you know, how, how do you do this? How do you live this? And they tell him of this man. His name is Fagan. And it says, he takes care of us. He provides for us. He loves us. And he's for us. And so Oliver is introduced to Fagan. 
And what begins to happen is Oliver's best attempts in digging himself out of the hole and the situation that he was born into or lives in only gets worse. Because Fagin is a mobster who uses boys at pickpockets to rob and steal all around London. The more Oliver tried to fix his life, the more his life was broken. And every time he takes a step to fixing something that was wrong, things only get worse. Each of us find in our own lives a little bit of an Oliver twist. That we have something in our lives that's not going well and we try to fix it and we try to dig ourselves out of it with all kinds of things out here and what do we end up doing? Making it worse and making it a lot messier. Like we're, we're all, we all are born with a desire to belong. Every single one of us in this world. Uh, there, there's study after study about attachment. So even from the earliest age, we're attached to our parents or that figure in that role from very early on. And then as we grow older, that attachment to our parents becomes a problem. Remember when it got like you couldn't wait to be your parents and then when you were little? And then it gets to that time where you're like preteen or teen, and you're like, oh, my mom, my dad, you know, right? Remember? Anybody like that? They become part of the problem. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, that is kind of what happens. It's kind of like a teenage angst that ends up here. And then we begin to see parents as part of the problem. I can't wait till I grow up and I'm out of their house, you know, right? That's part of the problem. Or then, and then they see around, around adolescence, the biggest connection that people have is to their peers. Maybe we can get along here. And so we belong in different kinds of groups, athletes, artists, musicians, dancers, um, you know, different clubs and other kinds of things, uh, scouts and all things. We become part of group. We want to belong to something. And we do anything to do that. We want to be with the cool people or we want to sit at the cool lunch table. Um, uh, we want to be with uh, the jocks or we want to be with the, the brainiacs or whatever. We want to fit somewhere. Does anybody realize this, that that's, that's what we do? And this doesn't stop in our lives. We go to work the first time and we're like, we want to connect to some people around here. We go to churches and we want to connect. And we have this desire to belong. And yet, even as we belong to so many different things over our life, nothing really seems to satisfy that desire to belong in our lives. For instance, have you ever tried to fix someone else? Anybody ever tried to fix somebody? Like, like you have someone and you're like, I'm going to get you right. How the, like, like a spouse, a child, a friend, a boss or a coworker. How'd that work out for you? It gets messier and messier and messier, doesn't it? And, you know, when we're trying to fix ourselves or fix something else or someone else, I got to say, often the church does not help. Because you go to church and you hear what you should be doing and how you should be doing it. And what you shouldn't be doing and how you shouldn't or you don't do that. And you better get it right because God's watching. So we become very aware of something. Our best is not good enough. Our best just isn't good enough. We're doing all that we can um, and our marriage is not getting better. We're doing all we can and my friendships are not getting better. I'm doing all I can and I'm just not good enough with my kids or I'm doing all I can and no matter what we go or where we do and what counselor I pay or what workout I do, it's just getting not good enough and I can feel it. We're kind of stuck in this kind of spiritual, as a spiritual orphan. And the more we try to fix it, the more difficult and messy things get. 
It's kind of like that with the Holy Spirit. It reminded me of a story of an evangelist. He was in town and he was, he, he was back in the days of, of tent revivals and he was really like people were flocking. It was, it was amazing and, and God was moving. And the last day he was going to really talk and lift up about the Holy Spirit. And he wanted to do it in a grandiose way. So he found a little boy and he said, do you want to make a, make a dollar? And he's like, yeah, because it was worth a ton. And he said, here's what I want you to do. And he pulls out this little dove dove being a symbol of the Holy Spirit. He said, I want you to go up in those rafters there. And when I get to the crescendo of the, of the message, I'm going to say, come, Holy Spirit. And I want you to release that dove. And people go, oh, and they'll just be, wow. So I got to this point, and he was in the midst of his sermon. He's coming to the end. He's getting excited because everybody's captivated. And he knew that this was going to be the big moment. And he said, Come, Holy Spirit. And nothing happened. He said. He, and so I, let's, let's all together say, Come, Holy Spirit. And nothing happened. He said, Come, Holy Spirit. Hey, Holy Spirit. Come on, Holy Spirit. And he heard this voice. A cat ate the Holy Spirit. Do you want me to throw that down? <laughs> Sometimes that's how we like to live with the Holy Spirit, like to put it in a box or a cat. And, um, and we think that the Holy Spirit is just there when we want to call, when we're in need. But it's different. It's totally different. What is our situation and the Holy Spirit's role? I want to I try to help. So here we go. Number one, and we've talked about this a little bit so far. I'm going to tell you this. Your best is not good enough. Your best is not good enough. For you to fix life, your best is not good enough. Who told you it would be? Have you been watching Rocky Three too much and you think, I can do it, yo. You know, no, it's, it's not that way. But seriously, where do we get the idea that the harder we try, the more we do it, the more stubborn we are, the best that we can give in whatever area is going to fix our lives and our mess? I mean, have you, have you been, like, around stuff lately, like field days? And I think some of them don't even call that day, you know? Field days, I mean, they're fun. I remember dragging someone in the three-legged race because I was going to get a ribbon. You know what I mean? <laughs> now I just show up and just kind of, like, mm, mosey on down, and I get a ribbon or whatever. You know, everybody wins. Um, or, or, like, in, in sports or, you know, like gymnastics or you know, like there was a time when I, when I was at uh, college that I decided that I was going to try gymnastics. Just to let you know, when you're 18, 19, 20, your mind tells you, I am not going backwards. I'm not doing it. I tried. It was not good. All right. Um, but then I see these people like flip, 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 flip. And I'm like, wow, they're really good. Jack Cohen is never going to get anywhere near an Olympic team or any team, like a peewee team in gymnastics. I, I, if I did do it, I would be in the hospital for months afterwards. Um, because you know what? I can't fix the fact that Jack has many years of saying, I'm not going backwards, and I'm not limber at all. Um, uh, you know, some people, some people, uh, you're, they're not good at talking. Like, some people don't, like, are, are panicked to talk in front of, like, two people, let alone a whole group of people. Or dancing. You know, I'm amazed at people who are, who, are, who are great dancers. I mean, I can, like, bump and grind with the best of them, but I'm telling you, it's not organized, I mean, you know, at, at all. Um, you know, 
I mean, the bottom line is some of it, so in some things in life, our best is just not good enough. And we don't live in a, in a world that says that, that, that our, our, our best is, is not good enough. Anybody ever seen the American Idol tryouts in early? Some people should not even open their mouth to talk, let alone sing. And, it's, and, and we all love watching their worst, which is their best. Am, am I correct? And they're like, oh, well, people say I'm good. And the, Simon's like, uh, back in the day, but they're lying to you, darling. You know, I mean, it's a dog don't ever do that. You know, I mean, this is some of the things that we, that we do. And so sometimes <coughs> we need to recognize our best is just not good enough. And I want to tell you something, and it's going to shock you. I am not God. See, it shocked you. And you are not God. Why? Because you're not omniscient. You're not all-knowing. You're, all, you're not all-powerful. So where do we get this idea that our best would be good, ever be good enough to fix it? So much of the stress and the weight that we carry around is based in the belief that our best will be good enough. And if you just tried harder, it would be. But we need to know and embrace that that is a lie. That we do not have what it takes to fix our lives. That's why verse 18 is so important. And Jesus is speaking. He said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a, a, you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you, believer, Christian, you will see me because I live, you shall live also. The problem of not being good enough is solved this way, in the adopting work of the Holy Spirit. I am not worthy I am not good enough to be called a child of God. But by Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, I am. I am. I have now been delivered and adopted and pulled out of this cosmic orphanage that I was born into. And I have been brought and ushered in as a son of God in the family of God. Now, you should be a heck of a lot more excited about that. All right? Verse 20 says, on that day you will realize that I am in the Father and you are in me. The main point here is Jesus says, I am not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I will come to you. You're not good enough to fix it all. But you're good enough for Jesus and the Holy Spirit to do awesome stuff in and through your life when you accept me. In the Creed series, we talked about the triune God. And throughout the apostles and everything, and we talked about how there's the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Then they, we said that they do this kind of cosmic dance together. Remember? We talked about that. If not, go back and look. And, um, and yet, when they do that, there's this, and when we connect to that, there's this overflow and perfection and joy and gratitude that exists here. Yet, if we're really honest, we all exist that we have a favorite dancer of the three. And you can tell by the church you go into. I'll give you an example. We look at God the Father as mean and wrathful. That's every message and everything is God sees what you're doing and he's dangling you over the fire's hell. That's true in our sin that we will go that way. But we look at God as mean and spiteful and wrathful. That's all we see God as. And we, we exist to be good because we're scared we're going to get a lightning bolt that parts our head. Or you go into a place and everything is about the love of God, the love of God, the love of Jesus. Jesus, love, 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 Jesus. Oh, Jesus is cool. He's my homeboy. Jesus, Jesus. Right? You get that. So we like the dance of Jesus a lot better. That, oh, he's forgiven my sin. Oh, I, what do I do? He forgets. We like that. But we don't talk about the dance of God the Father. 
And then you go into other places where we just want to, we just want to see the Holy Spirit do some cool stuff. Go ahead, entertain us and, and do some cool things. And we want to see that dance. When really the, the balance or the symmetry, as we talked about in here, is that letting the Godhead work in its, dis, in its distinct roles together, having a perfect dance, and us loving and honoring and, and, and appreciating each of those dances and each one of the dance. We have been invited to the family of God where there's an overflow of love and joy and peace and grace in the trinity of our God. Think about it. Being a son or daughter, being adopted into the family of God, it becomes an identity marker that nothing or no one can take away from me. But I was thinking everything else can be taken away from me. I've been married for almost 26 years. Um, who's, been, who's been married for a good long time? Anybody? How many have been married 10 years or at least uh, 10 years or plus? Uh, um, how many 20 years? Um, how many 30? Okay. How many 40? All right. 50? Wow, there you go. All right. Anybody 60? <laughs> you look really good, Dale. I tell you, yeah. Living with Patty must be great because you look really good. Um, but that's a long time, am I right? That's a long time. Um, and many of you are hoping to get to that 50, 60, whatever range in many more years. But you better hope your spouse feels the same way. Sorry, Dale, 60 ends today. <laughs> um, but because even though you hope that your spouse feels that way, you cannot control what they do or what they think or the broken world that we live in. God forbid there may be a day that your spouse is no longer your spouse. I'm the father of five children who I love immensely most of the time. Um, and I, I've had hopes and dreams and desires for them from the moment that I knew they were coming into the world. But I also don't control this cruel, abrasive world as it can be sometimes. And God forbid, and I know some of you have gone through this, this tragedy. God forbid there come a day due to a terrible accident, a sickness, or some other tragedy that one or all my children could be lost. We live in a broken world. I can't control those things. I can't be, what, what I realize is I cannot be a good enough father to protect them from the brokenness in the universe. I can't. I can't. I could be father of the year, of the, of the century, of whatever, and I still cannot protect them from this cruel world and harsh world. Anybody else, a parent, agree with me? There could be, uh, you know, I'm the pastor of Haven Community Church and have been since it began. I, God gave me the name of this church while I was cutting my grass and riding on a uh, lawnmower. Um, and a true story. Um, and there could be a day that something happens and I'd not be the pastor here. And there will be a day that that happens. But it could have been an accident. It could have been in surgery the other, the other uh, week. It could be a heart attack. It could be that years of being a pastor actually caused me to completely lose my mind and I can't function anymore. Um, and so, so, but that could happen. What I'm saying in this is that every identity marker that I put, that, that, I, that I make myself in and I say, and I relate to can be taken away from me like that at any time. Because I am not powerful enough, I am not, I'm, I'm not all powerful enough, I'm not all knowing enough, I'm not everywhere at once, and I live in a broken world just like everybody else. 
So when I'm being called into the family of God as a son or daughter, it means that I have this one identity marker that no one or nothing can ever touch. That no matter what happens, it doesn't change. I am loved. I am provided for. I am saved. I am redeemed by God. I am a son of God, and I have been adopted into the family. And that can never be taken away from me, no matter what. If I get sick, it's still true that I, am, I belong to the family of God. If I die, I am still a son of God. If I'm broke, er, I am still a son of God. If I'm not the pastor, it's still true I belong to the family of God. If I'm not a husband or a dad, it's still true that I am a son and belong to God and the family of God. If no one likes me, there's got to be something wrong with them. But it's still true that I am a son of God and a child of God, and I belong to the family of God. And what's true for me is also true for you. Not one thing or no one can ever take that away from me. It, it, and, and when I recognize that, that has to be my primary identity that everything takes shape from. When I know and I embrace that, out of it flows who I am, how I operate, how I perceive the world around me. And the Spirit of God takes me from being a spiritual orphan, Annie, and brings me into the family of God, Daddy Warbucks, right? Verse 21 says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love them and show them to myself. And then Judas, not Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not the world? And Jesus ignores the question and says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Isn't that, isn't that cool? He's given the heaven answer. Remember, heaven's coming down. The new heaven and the earth. Check that message last week. Um, and anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Your best is not good enough to fix everything. But we're adopted in the family. Now, when we're part of a family, we begin to take on family traits of the family that we're part of. Like, have you ever one day said something that you heard that your, your father or mother siblings say, like, it just pops out of your mouth, like, particularly when you have kids, and then you go ahead and you say, you say something to your kids, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's what I swore I never would say that my mom or dad said to me. Anybody ever been there? Okay. Or just like your vernacular, the way you talk, you say things, and you're like, you realize when you meet other people that not everybody's family communicates the same way. Um, and so you begin to share family traits. In the Bible, what we find out is there's several traits that we have as the family. And obedience is driven by love. Um, and what Jesus is saying here, we're, we're not obedient in order to be loved. We are loved and that drives our obedience. Um, Jesus is saying, if you love me, you'll be obedient. If you're obedient, then you can see, I can see that you love me. And where you're not obedient, I can see where you really don't love me, where you love something more. So the primary driver of our our a spiritual or Christian life is not discipline, but it's love and joy and contentment in our daddy. All right? The higher the love, the greater the capacity for self-sacrifice, suffering, and ultimate discipline. In other words, here's, what I, here's how I want to say this. The more you love something, the more you really are passionate about something, let me say that way, the more disciplined you will be toward that thing. Let me explain this to you. Anybody a hunter like hunting? Anybody, Hunter? 
Okay, there's some people who really like honey. If you really love honey, I'm not just saying like you like it. I'm saying like if you love it, you take vacation for it. Um, and it involves discipline and self-sacrifice. You get up at 3 a.m. You put on camouflage. You cover yourself in deer urine. <laughs> True? You go outside when it's minus 10 and sit in an unheated blind and you wait for something. Correct? Why? Because you love it. How many of you have ever been to a, a kid's event and you sat out in conditions that are not fit for anybody? We used to sit in, out at track events and it was pouring. And we would put like, a, like one of those tents up, you know, and we'd sit in the mud um, and do that. I remember Rachel, she was throwing shot put one time. And we drove down to uh, Ken Island, was it Ken Island High School? Was that what it was? All the way down there to watch her throw something for 20, like 10 seconds and then turn around and come back. I don't want to go across the room to get a sandwich. I, why do I go down there? Because I love my daughter. And I don't, had no clue why she was throwing that thing, but it worked for me. Um, and it was raining, of course. Um, and we've done that for every, every kid and everything. This could be fishing. I remember going first day of trout season one time. And we got up at like, like, we got up at like 2 o'clock and got in a car and drove somewhere and stood in a creek. For what? You can tell I wasn't madly in love with that. Um, I, you know, I love the Eagles. I have sat in an Eagles game where it's so cold, you open the sandwich and, and it's a hamburger and it's frozen as soon as you pull it out. And I sat there and froze, had to take a, a, a shovel and make a, a parking spot. I've done that because I love the Philadelphia Eagles and I love being at football games. Um, so what I love creates discipline and also self-sacrifice and Compromises your sanity at times as well. You're willing to lay down personal control and preference for things you love. And the more we love something, the more disciplined and self-sacrificed we are. The more I'm willing to sacrifice my own personal preference to be disciplined because obedience is driven by love. When I love something, I can have it. So the real role of the Holy Spirit in the Christian's life. John 14, 12 says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater than these because I am going to the Father. This is Jesus talking. Anybody ever heard any stories about Jesus? He says, if you believe in me, whoever, anybody who believes in me, he says, may do, no. He says what? Will do the works I have been doing. And by the way, they're going to do greater. Jesus took, made, took water, made wine. He took little boy's Lunchable and fed about 15,000 people. He went ahead and um, raised the dead. He caused the blind to see. He caused the lame to walk. And he says, hey, you're going to do that and even greater. And we say, huh? Excuse me? I don't think so. Um, and so, so where, does it, where does that come from? How, do we, how does that happen? Is Jesus lying to us? Because we, I just said we're not good enough. But how do we do that? Fear the same source that Jesus did to the authority and power of the Holy Spirit and embracing that. In Mark 16, 17 through 18, before the ascension, Jesus gave uh, characteristics to his followers, of, of his followers. And he said, and these signs will accompany those who believe. 
In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes. I don't like that one at all. With their hands, and they will drink deadly poison. It will not hurt them at all. And they will place their hands on the sick people, and they will get well. Now, this is not something as sadly some churches have taken on. Oh, let's pick up snakes and dance around and drink strychnine. No. I like the verse better. I will not put the Lord God to test and crush a snake with your heel. I ain't picking none up. Um, but the early church, every single one of these was fulfilled in the book of Acts. Acts 16 and 19, they cast out demons. Spoke in new tongues, two, uh, Acts 2, 10, 19. Tossed deadly snakes aside. Um, Paul got bit with one, just shook it off like that. Um, and laid hands on the sick and they were healed. Three, five, eight, twenty-eight, and more. Today, by contrast, almost none of these distinguishing family characteristics appear in most of our churches. Why? Because we have settled for a feeble, powerless brand of Christianity. And we've been taught to accept it and settle for less. We and what begins to happen is we mention the supernatural work of God through the Holy Spirit. And we have people with PhDs and modern theologians and biblical scholars and denominations and preachers inform us that the age of the Holy Spirit's miracles was only in the first century. And that explains it away. No, that's crap. Did the minister just say crap? Yes, he did. All right. There's not one verse in the Bible that claims that. Not, not one. No matter how you want to spin doctrine. I will tell you one that does correct, uh, correct it. Hebrews 13.8 says... Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he promised that we would do these things and even greater. But because we've settled for something less and we put it under our power and control, no wonder the church is messed up. In John 14, 16, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, um, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside to help and empower you. The, it will be with you ever, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I am walking with you every day because of the Holy Spirit lives in you. Anybody who's accepted Jesus has, has the Holy Spirit living within them, but we haven't let him loose. It's like a fire hydrant. You know, you ever see like when it gets really hot and, and somebody in the neighborhood goes in and gets a big wrench and cranks that sucker up and like, Psh. you know, that's the Holy Spirit living with us. And we keep that lid on tight. And what we need to say is spirit, as we sang today, break out. Just open it up and let him go. Pentecost. Pentecost means 50. Remember that last year? Everybody afraid of that? 50. <gasps> Pentecost. Um, it was celebrated in the Old Testament as a harvest festival and also became as a, a reference to when God gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. And the Israelites were doing their thing down there and 3,000 of them died because of going against God and the golden calf and all that. New Testament, the day of Pentecost. God didn't descend with a law, but the Holy Spirit descended with a loud sound and fire, purifying. And God wrote the law on our hearts. And you know what? 3,000 people came into the kingdom that day. That's not a mistake. That's God. 
In Acts chapter 2, we're going to go through this um, fairly quickly, and um, so get ready. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a loud sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And we hear them declaring, then uh, there were people there and all this other kind of stuff, and they said, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? And some made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. It's too early to drink, right? That's what Peter said. It's, it's too early for that right now. 120 followers of Jesus in one place, and they heard a sound. You know, um, you know when they say, like, uh, tornado warnings? They say, hey, how, how do you tell the sound? What do they tell you to do? If you hear the sound of, like, a train or something? Hey, go ahead and play this for us. Jack it up. I want you guys to hear this. Ready? someone miles away. And what the scripture, see I'm yelling that you can't even hear me. What the scripture said, and that's a picture that they took um, of a record being thrown through a telephone pole at tornado winds. There's been talks of a straw going through a telephone pole. And we would think that would shatter, wouldn't we? But the force behind the tornado is so powerful, it takes everything that doesn't make sense from a physical perspective, and because of the force and the power, it goes right through anything. And so that's what they heard. They had the force of the Holy Spirit, a mighty rushing wind. They heard a tornado of the Holy Spirit go into that place. And... Um, and Flames appeared on all them because John the Baptist said that they would, he would be baptize them with uh, the Holy Spirit and fire for purification as a living sacrifice. Um, in the Old Testament, it would, a fire would, from heaven would consume the sacrifice. And the fire sat on them. And by sitting on them, it was a completed preparation. The disciples trying to fix themselves were a mess, weren't they? I challenge you before the day of Pentecost to find any story about the disciples where they didn't screw something up. You can't. But the day they were in one place and the Holy Spirit fell and purified them and filled them, there was this permanence of position and the Spirit of Jesus and the Spirit of God was rested on them and was in and through them. So that Peter, who was hiding away just a couple weeks later, stands up and gives one of the best sermons ever. Why? Because it was the Spirit of God living in him. Simon Peter is not good enough, but Simon Peter, by filled with the Holy Spirit is more than enough. All were filled with the Holy Spirit. And before we can be filled, we need to recognize our emptiness. We are too full. We're full of stuff and we're full of distractions and we're full of things that don't matter. And we're full of idols and we're full of ourselves. In Acts 2, they recognized that they were empty and they needed to be filled. James W. Jones wrote a book many years ago called Filled with New Wine. And he says this, he says, the book of Acts and the letters of Paul make it clear that the early church did not proclaim only the teachings of Jesus or the wonderful extent of his love, but actually brought people into a direct experience of his love and power through his communal body and by the mighty miraculous work of the Holy Spirit they were able to do. Number three, here we go. We need to bring people into a personal encounter with Jesus, not just preach about Jesus. 
So many people are talking about Jesus, and that's all we're doing. We're talking about Jesus like he's Abraham Lincoln. But he needs to be the one that I'm with all the time, that I spend. And we often live our, our faith like that, where Jesus said in John 14, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring into remembrance all that I've said to you. And so here's some things the Holy Spirit does as we wind this down today. He teaches us more about Jesus and the life through a biblical worldview. There was a study that came out that shows that um, uh, under the age of 18, the numbers are dwindling, that people have a biblical worldview, a worldview through the lens of the scripture. But we, need, we get that through the word of God and to dial into the voice of God in our lives. And there's a special note. The Holy Spirit is crazy about Jesus. He's always talking about Jesus. So if somebody says they have the Spirit and they're talking against Jesus, um, it's wrong. Um, it, the Holy Spirit always points to Jesus, and always trying to get you to see how amazing Jesus is. So the first thing is we need to, is he's going to remind us of that. Next thing is the Holy Spirit should stir our, our adoration by reminding us to never forget the faithfulness of God. By remembering all he has done and said, and we can really trust him and know him and and know that he's faithful and it should impassion our worship. If we're connected to the Holy Spirit, it should drive our worship into a level that we've never experienced because we know what he's done for us. And we should want to grow and get, and get more closer to God all the time and have a desire for more of Jesus. It should empower our faith. Because guess what? All the, as great as they are, all the Sunday schools and all the studies and all the other things, are good, but they're not going to do anything unless the Spirit of God is within us. And we open that cap and allow him to do his thing. Romans 8, 14 said, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are what? The children of God. That means you're part of the family. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you don't fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought, you, brought about what? Your adoption as sonship or daughtership. And to that we cry. Here we go back to the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. Abba, Father, Daddy. I get to cry out, Daddy. And the Spirit himself says, yep, yep, yep. Jack is your child, God. Jack is your child. Yep, 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 he is. No matter what Jack messes up, yep, that's him. And so my question to you is, where are you being led by the Spirit of God? In your life, is there a delayed obedience? I saw an illustration where it said, the Holy Spirit is like a personal guide when we set out with a map, which is the law. It's fine for a while, but during the dark when you can't read the map, so you turn to the guide. How foolish it is to return the map when you think you can see again. Second question is, what are the places in which fear is stopping you from being obedient to God? Abba means daddy, and it has endearment and power. And I was thinking about this in, in this whole thing. Like, you're, I don't know if the kids do it now, but I, like, I remember, like, when you were younger, you had this thing, my dad could beat up your dad. Remember, like, uh, like, my dad will whip your old man kind of thing. Yeah, my dad's better than my dad, does, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I've never heard my kids say that, so I'm not going to take that personally, just to let you know. Um, uh, but they might have said, yeah, you're right, your dad could whip my dad. Um, but ultimately, Paul's argument is simply that. All those who are led by spirit are, are children of God, sons and daughters. And we don't have to be afraid. There's nothing that we have to be afraid from. We don't have to be afraid because that makes me a slave to my fear. And fear paralyzes me and you. I've been given the spirit of God and I am adopted into his family. So I get to cry out, hey, daddy, 
Have you seen my daddy? Have you seen him? Because if you think I'm afraid of, and these are 10 things that I found that people are most afraid of. Loved ones dying, I can say, I don't, I don't like that. But have you seen my dad? Um, loved ones becoming seriously ill. Have you seen my dad? Mass shootings. But have you seen my dad? Not having enough money for retirement. Yeah, but have you seen my dad? Terrorism. In the words of George W. Terrorism. Um, have you seen my dad? Government corruption. Have you seen my dad? Becoming terminally ill and dying myself. Hey, I'm going to my dad's house. Have you seen my dad? Uh, hate crimes. Have you seen my dad? High medical bills. Have you seen my dad? Civil unrest. Have you seen my dad? People are going to think I'm odd. Okay. Have you seen my dad? Um, he empowers us and gifts us when we seek his, the Holy Spirit's release in our lives. I'm not going to talk about this uh, much, but Jesus says you will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. There are three baptisms. We talked about one. One is a baptism in the body of believers. That's salvation. One is water baptism. We're talking about having that. And there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, immersed in power. Power to live a Christian life as God desired for you and me. Power to impact the world and to fight spiritual warfare. And to let you know, next week we're going to talk about God's uh, provision and listening to God in prayer. Give us a day our daily bread. And the last week, um, defend us from the evil one. And that's what we're going to talk about, spiritual warfare. It's not a plateau where you've read some spiritual elite enter. It's not boasting, but it's about surrendering to the Holy Spirit. As I said last year, being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me. It's a launching pad for living heaven on earth and service to God and others. It's not about getting more of God, but it's about God getting more of me. So in closing, we believe in the Holy Spirit. He is the illuminator of the scriptures. He is the opener of our hearts. He is the bringer of love and compels us to obedience and motivates us to action. He is the paraclete. He comes alongside of us and defends us and goes on our behalf. And he empowers every believer, every believer's life to be a conduit, a channel through which all gifts and fruits of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit are to be displayed. Isn't that cool? Today is Pentecost, 50. It's the day that God sent his Holy Spirit. And it's there. If you believe in Jesus as your Savior and Lord, if you've, if you've accepted him as your Savior and Lord, it's there. And either Jesus is a liar, a lunatic, or Savior, as, as C.S. Lewis says, and he's not a liar and he's not a lunatic. He is the Savior of the world. And guess what? He says what's true. And he said, you will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. And on top of that, guess what? By having those things, you will do what I've done and even greater in my name. Wouldn't that be really cool? We've got it. We just got to stop accepting the weak version of Christianity that we've embraced in this world. And get back to letting, to saying, hey, have, uh, everything's going on in this world. It ain't good. But have you seen my daddy? Have you seen my daddy? Because my daddy can whip yours. Amen. Let's stand up and let's, uh, let's pray and, and then we'll go into this, our last song here today. Um, so if you'll, if you'll join me in prayer right now. Daddy, I just thank you.
for all things. I thank you that I am not good enough. I thank you that the one thing I am is good enough to be loved by you. But I can't fix my, my life. I can't fix my problems. But I thank you that you have adopted me into your family. You call me your son. And there's times at life where you just say, hey, have you seen my boy, Jack? I'm working on it. I'm amazed at the Holy Spirit, and I rejoice not in some spontaneous emotionalism, but in some deep-rooted realities of your spirit in my life. I pray that there would be an awesome awareness of your presence, remembering your faithfulness, and, and, and learning more of you and your ways. I pray that where I and many of us have had delayed obedience, where you haven't walked or been led by your spirit, that there would be repentance and surrender to your spirit's leading so we can truly be the children that you are so proud of. I pray that where there's fear and anxiety, that they continue to dictate every area of our lives, that we can remind Satan, we can remind the world, we can remind all the, all the stuff that caused those things. We say, but yeah, have you seen my dad? Just how big and faithful you are. And I just pray that, God, that you would break the paralysis of our fears and anxieties. And let us just melt into the truth that our best is never going to be good enough. But you are more than enough. We love you, God. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Let us just praise your name. And as we receive God's tithe and offerings here today, I pray that you will, you will do your miraculous work and use your Holy Spirit for that. It's not about us keeping it here. And, and in fact, if you're visiting today, we don't expect you to give. It's your, your, your blessing is just by being here today. And, and we hope that you receive from God your daddy and he wants to give to you. But for the rest of us who are giving God, just anoint these gifts with your Holy Spirit so that we can continue to see a miracles happen in Haiti and in our own community and all, all around the world. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Yeah. 
that you have a great Pentecost Sunday um, and that you have a great Pentecost life filled with the Spirit of God, living as the empowered church of, of, of the Lord that he intended. Um, and so next week we're going to go back. I told you we're going to talk about um, listening to God through um, our daily bread. And then we're also going to end, end the series with, um, with uh, spiritual warfare about the de defending us from the evil one. Um, I just want to say one quick thing today, and then I'm going to let you go. Don't worry, I'm not keeping you anymore. Um, graduates, uh, God bless. We want to pray for you and, uh, and continue to keep that. We'll, um, so if you're here next week, we'll just kind of have you stand up and say yay um, um, and all that good stuff. But um, one of the things, when I was, um, I, I last, just real quick story. Uh, last week, I, um, I was debating whether to just continue with the series or go back to the Holy Spirit. And about um, Tuesday or Wednesday, I was like, ah, I think I'm going to just forget this week. And, um, and something just got nudging me. And um, I opened a folder. And a sermon from my dad. Anybody knows my dad knows he was probably one of the most connected people to the Holy Spirit and taught more people about the Holy Spirit of God. And so I know who my daddy is, but I also know who my dad is and who he was. And that lives on as some of the stuff I shared today came directly from his sermon in 1975. So have a great week. God bless.